Welcome to episode one of the American Experiment podcast. I'm John Hinderocker, and I'm joined by David Zimmer. David served for 33 years in the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office before coming to American Experiment as a policy fellow. David, I want to ask you about this brand new report that we have published literally this morning about uh, alleged uh, racial bias in, in Minnesota's criminal justice system. But maybe first by way of background, you know, a lot of this goes back, uh, this, this, this uh, idea was out there before, but a lot of it goes back to 2020. We had the George Floyd incident and the idea that Minnesota's law enforcement and criminal justice systems are biased against black people was everywhere, uh, not just in Minnesota, but around the country, even internationally. What, what was it like for you as uh, working in law enforcement at that time? Did you, did you see that narrative at work here in Minnesota? Well, I certainly saw the narrative at work, and, and I can just tell you it was demoralizing to work in, in that atmosphere um, post-Floyd. But I saw the narrative in effect um, really beginning in the 2010s, I, I think, and I can go into that some more. Yeah, where do you think it came from, or how did you first become aware of it? Well, in, uh, after years of declining crime rates in the early 2010s, we had, uh, I, I would say reformists viewed that we had things under control with our crime. And they decided, let's start uh, picking at some of the issues that have uh, uh, long bothered them. And so there's this narrative that because there's a disproportionate level of um, uh, black involvement in the criminal justice system, that's evidence that the criminal justice system was unfairly treating blacks. And so I wanted to take a look at that, take a look at the data uh, to see if the data actually supports that narrative. Yeah, let's talk about that, David. So, so when people say that law enforcement and criminal justice are, are biased against black people, what they usually do is to compare the number of blacks who get arrested, prosecuted, convicted, incarcerated against the percentage of blacks in the general population. And obviously you do find some some disproportion there. What, what, what's wrong with that approach? Well, uh, like you just mentioned, when you use the general population, this massive amount of people in the denominator of this you know, basic mathematic calculation, you're bound to come up with disproportionate numbers. Um, and what, what I did and what I was fortunate to be able to do is use a new data set, and that is the criminal offenders by race um, that just became available through the BCA in 2021. I think we're one of the first uh, groups that has used that data in some analysis. And in using this new data set, it provides for a, a far more focused look at how are people be actually being treated within the criminal justice system. So let's talk about that data set. First of all, you mentioned the BCA. That's the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension here in Minnesota. That's right. And so they put out a variety of statistics on crime, right? Yes. And so what they have recently done, and they did it for the year 2021, is they put out statistics on offenders, that is, who's committing various types of crimes uh, by race. Is that right? Right. 
and so and so that enabled you to look at the number of blacks, whites, whatever, who are being arrested and say, okay, fine, how does that compare to the number who are committing the crime right. <laughs> per the BCA's numbers? Is that the basic idea? Yep. It, it allowed us to focus the examination on who's committing the crime, not this broad general population, because... 98% of white Minnesotans and 85% of black Minnesotans are completely law-abiding. So to use that huge law-abiding population in the calculation is misleading. So how does the BCA know, uh, if, if they want to know who's committing robberies, who's committing murders, whatever it may right. be, where do they get that information? Good question. So it comes predominantly from victim and witness identification, which is takes all of the, the bias out of things in, in general. Um, if, if you look at uh, arrest data, which was in the past kind of that, that initial data that you could use to start making some of this analysis, that the, the um, criticism has always been, well, that's fraught with police bias. You know, police are targeting people, and so you can't really rely on that as an accurate depiction of who's committing the crime. Now we have, with this offender data coming from victims and witnesses and people picking up the phone to call 911, it's taking that police bias, if you will, out of the equation. And presumably when someone has just been victimized, robbed, raped, assaulted, and they describe the perpetrator to the police, they're going to describe him correctly because they want him to get caught. Exactly. Right? So exactly. that's a very reliable uh, source of information. So so what did you find? Just in, If we kind of look at the big picture, when you look at, at this new data from the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, crime by crime, broken down by race, what, is that, what does that show you? Well, it shows us that black Minnesotans are, um, are committing offenses at a disproportionate rate to white offenders, at really a grossly disproportionate rate. I broke it down in, into a, a variety of uh, areas here, and I started with creating a data set called Serious Crimes. So I I evaluated murder, assault, robbery, weapons crimes, drug-related crimes, and rape. And then I uh, took that data set and followed it all the way through the, the system to arrests, to uh, charges, and to incarceration. And I also dug down deep uh, into the weeds on things like um, sentencing departures and that kind of thing. But to, to begin with, the, the offender data really just shows that, you know, unfortunately, black Minnesotans are committing a, a dis, disproportionate amount of the crime in Minnesota. And if we look at the serious crimes together, how, what do you mean by disproportionate? How, how, how disproportionate? So the, the data shows that uh, black Minnesotans are uh, 10 times more likely to be serious crime offenders. 50 times more likely to be a murder offender, 16 times more likely to be an assault offender, and uh, the one that really sticks out is robbery. 107 to 1 uh, more likely to be a robbery offender. And when you say more likely, that's on a per capita basis? Per capita basis, yeah. 
So that's really extraordinary. So, so the starting point isn't really the arrest or the prosecution or the conviction. The starting point really is the crime. Yep. And, and so you start with the crime and you say, well, we've got in Minnesota, uh, if you look at serious crimes altogether, uh, black Minnesotans uh, per capita committing 10 times the rate of serious crimes as white Minnesotans. Right. That's the bottom line. Well, well then let's move on to arrests. Okay, so that's the, that's what we're dealing with at the crime level. Now, now some of these crimes hopefully get solved and followed by an arrest. What do you see with the arrest data? Well, and that's where uh, some of the concern comes in because if the narrative was accurate that the the system was systemically racist and biased and treating offenders uh, differently based on their race. Well, you would see this this offender data even worsen as as blacks traveled through. Um, the criminal justice system, and actually, we see the opposite. Yeah, it's if, if if there was bias, and and if it's 10x at the crime level, right. well, then you look for 20x, 30x, 40x, something like that, as you as you work through the system. Right? Exactly. What do you see instead? Well, instead, we see things flip, kind of flip on their ear here. So, um, for serious crime arrests, white offenders. And now we, we move into offenders and not per capita. And that's the, that's the importance of this analysis is now we're focusing on who the offenders are. So white offenders are 1.6 times more likely to be arrested than black serious offenders. Um, and all across the board, that's the case. If you look at the crime of murder, white murder offenders are 1.5 times more likely to be arrested. Assaults, 1.5 times more likely to, to be arrested. Robbery, now if you remember, robbery was that huge 107 times more likely um, for, for black offenders. White offenders are three times more likely to be arrested for robbery. So. Now I know it's on a per capita basis. The you know the offender data is based on per capita basis, but when you get into the offender data, white offenders are three times more likely to be arrested for. So robbery. that's really interesting. So so if you've got a white robber and a black robber, the white robber is three times as likely to get arrested. That's right. And in all these crime categories, whether it's uh, the murder, whether it's uh, assault, whatever it might be, the white criminal is more likely to get arrested than the black criminal. With one exception, uh, I found that weapons-related offenses um, weighted um, more heavily towards black offenders. So black offenders uh, were 1.3 times more likely to be arrested for a weapons-related crime. Okay. So after the arrest, uh, I guess the next step is the prosecution. And, and did you continue following these numbers through the whole criminal justice system? Yes. So I made a, a number of data practices requests to a number of different entities. And uh, for charges and prosecution, I went to the Minnesota District Court and got their data. It's grouped slightly different than the BCA data and the sentencing guideline data but I was able to piece it together and, and make sure that I, I had a good faith effort to be comparing apples to apples. So I found with charges, um, again, that trend that white offenders uh, were treated more certainly and more sternly uh, in the system 
followed through in the charges. So for serious crimes, white offenders were 1.8 times more likely to be charged with a serious crime. Murder, 1.9 times more likely. Um, and similar to the uh, arrests, black offenders were 1.2 times more likely to be charged with a weapons offense. So um, I guess well, what comes next? You got the charge, I guess, and then you have a trial, and, and most of these guys get convicted. Uh, what, what, what comes next? Right. Again, the trend continued in uh, the pronouncement of prison sentences. So once a trial occurred or a plea was, was given, uh, the, the judge sentences the defendant to either prison or a, a stay. So this data came from the Sentencing Guideline Commission, and I was able to uh, use those exact data sets that I've been comparing all of this against. And again, the trend continued. So for serious offenders, white offenders were 1.5 times more likely to receive a pronounced prison sentence in 2021. Um, so Rob basically, it's really interesting, David, as you, as you work your way through the criminal justice system, you, you, you see the same thing at each level, essentially. Right. right? I mean, the numbers obviously are going to be slightly different, but basically you're seeing the same pattern. You're, you're not seeing any sign of a bias against this body of, of black offenders. Certainly not, and especially when you go back to the offender, the disproportionate offender levels, there is, you know, that did not follow through. And in fact, it kind of turned on its ear throughout the system. So what comes next? So I started getting down into the weeds here a little just to see if the system, if there was any part of the system that was, you know, maybe disparately affecting uh, black offenders. And I didn't find much. Um, I, I looked at presumptive versus actual prison commitments. So a presumptive commitment is, is what the judge is presumed to be, uh, presumed to have to sentence a defendant to based on the sentencing guidelines. And what I found is that white serious offenders were 1.4 times more likely to receive a presumptive prison commitment. And then I looked at actual prison commitment because a judge can depart from that presumption. And actual commitments actually increased. So uh, whites were 1.5 times more likely to receive an actual prison sentence than their black counterparts. I looked into uh, the, de the departures like we just mentioned, and there are two types of departures. There's a uh, dispositional departure, which means the disposition of either prison or a, a stay of prison. And then there's a durational departure, which means the amount of time that the uh, judge sentences a defendant to. It's like three years instead of five years. Right, right. So based on the sentencing guidelines, um, judges departed almost exactly the same. There's a 1% difference between white and black for dispositional departures. So again, prison or not prison. And uh, whites were 
just 1%, 1.01 times more likely to get a dispositional departure downward. But in the durational departure uh, category, blacks received a durational departure downward 1.66 times. Uh, they were 1.66 times more likely to receive a downward departure on the amount of time they served. So, so when you talk about uh, bias in the criminal justice system, um, one of the things that you hear about is, well, look at the prisons. You know, the prisons are full of, of, of black, you know, black men. And in, in a number that certainly is greater than their percentage in the population, no right. doubt about that. We all know that's true. And, and you also looked at that, right? I mean, who is in prison currently incarcerated and how does that relate back to who, who started out by committing the crime? So I, I did take a look at uh, the incarceration rates for those sentenced in 2021, and I looked at three different categories, those receiving a prison sentence, those receiving a local uh, commitment, so to a, a jail or a workhouse, and then a category of total confinement or total incarceration. And in each of those categories, the data shows that white offenders, white serious offenders, are more likely to receive all forms of incarceration. So 2.1 times more likely to receive local confinement, 1.5 times more likely to receive a prison sentence, and overall 1.9 times more likely to receive total incarceration. And I think you've got the numbers in here somewhere, David. I don't remember what they are, but I believe that there are, in fact, more whites in, in prison in Minnesota than blacks. Is that right? There are. Um, but again, the, you know, like we've noted, we're not, I am not disputing that there is a disproportionate number of blacks in the system. What, what I am disputing is the narrative that the system created that disproportionate. Yeah, sure, the question is right. why. Right. And then you've got one last set of charts in your in your paper. This paper is a great piece of work, by the way, David. And it's one of the the beauty of it is that really it's simplicity. You know, I mean, the concept of what you've done here is very simple to understand. It's very simple to explain. That doesn't mean it was easy to do. No, you had to track no. down a lot of data from different data sources, line it up to make sure you're comparing apples, 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 all the way through. And I I watched you do this. I know it took a lot of work. And when you get done, you know, the conclusions are, are clear and they seem pretty, pretty simple. Right, right. The, the challenge for me is to take all of that work I did and boil it down into, you know, digestible sound bites. So, <laughs> so charts eight and nine near the end of the report deal with uh, going back to the, the offenders uh, per capita. And, and again, we make no dispute that there is a 10 to one ratio of black offenders to white offenders. And the data shows that Not clearly per capita, basis. Per capita in, in 2021. But what's interesting is who's in prison and it almost mirrors that exactly, which is what, you, what we should expect. So the, at the end of 2022, a report came out January 1st, 2023, the Minnesota prison population had a ratio black to white of 9.6 to 1 black to white, which is... Again, per capita. Uh, per capita, yep. 
So at the end of the whole process, the, the proportion of the people who are in prison, exactly the same, or almost exactly the same, right. as the proportion who started out committing serious crimes, right. which is what you would expect from a fair system. Exactly. David, let's talk about drugs for a moment, because kind of a subset of this whole narrative about racial policing, racial bias, has to do with drugs. And we saw this even in the last session of the Minnesota legislature talking about marijuana. And there's an idea out there that drug enforcement has been racially biased, that it's disproportionately impacted blacks and accounts for a, a big proportion of, of incarceration. Well, what did you find? Did you, did you analyze that? And if so, what did you find? Yeah, we certainly did. And we can pretty much blow that myth apart. Um, again, if you start at the offender uh, data set, we found that black Minnesotans were five times more likely to be drug offenders than whites, but then uh, that disproportion flipped on its ear as you moved through the system. So for arrests, white offenders were 1.2 times more likely to be arrested. White offenders were 1.8 times more likely to be charged white offenders were two times more likely to receive a prison sentence. And uh, I, I looked into the actual data of who's in prison for drug crimes. And the, the narrative out there is that our prison is full of low-level drug users, predominantly marijuana users, and predominantly people of color. The fact is, uh, and the D DOC fact sheet DOC Department of Corrections. Department of Corrections fact sheet spells this out clearly. They currently house 25 non-white uh, defendants or inmates for marijuana crimes. And I can tell you from experience that is not user amounts of marijuana. We're talking hundreds of pounds. No, of nobody marijuana. is going to prison for smoking a joint. Nobody is. And. Also interesting in that fact sheet is they spell out um, what, is, what is the largest group, um, drug-related group in prison, and it is those that have committed methamphetamine-related crimes. And there's about 1,000 prisoners out of 8,500 there for meth-related crimes. Of that, 75%, so about 750 uh, inmates are there that are white. Uh, so white uh, defendants made up the 75% of all meth-related convictions and, and prison sentences. So David, there's another part of your report here that I think is just is really important, um, and that's victimization. You know, all of the, the proposals that we see for so-called reform, you know, criminal justice reform, law enforcement reform, almost all these proposals, what they really amount to is scaling back, having less law enforcement, mm -hmm. you know, fewer prosecutions, fewer arrests, less incarceration. And, and talk about that. What, what's the impact of that? Who gets hurt by that? Well, uh, sadly, the, the groups that get hurt the most are the groups that reformists are claiming they're trying to help. Um, and so specific to this analysis, we're looking at adult blacks and adult whites in the criminal justice system. What I found is that Minnesota, uh, what I found is that black Minnesotans were victimized nine 
0.5 times, almost 10 times uh, the rate of white Minnesotans. So by depolicing and and limiting enforcement in, for example, black communities, what we're actually creating is more crime. And those very communities that we're trying to help are bearing uh, the burden of increased crime. So that 10 to 1 disproportion, again, on a per capita basis of black offenders, again, is almost exactly mirrored in who are the victims. Right. You know, it's almost 10 to 1 a preponderance, again, per capita of black victims. And, and they're the real losers in this story, aren't they? If we follow through on this hysteria about let's have less, you know, less policing, less law enforcement. They certainly are. And from my experience on the street, um, I still believe there's a strong silent majority within the black community that does not buy into this narrative and does not support the activist voice out there that is clamoring for less enforcement. Um, I can cite many examples um, following up on shootings and, and other crimes of violence where people, when the, when the police were on scene, people would come out of their house in droves and, and ask for more enforcement and, and be supportive of the police. But you don't see that in the media. All you see is the activist voice saying police are, are over-policing these neighborhoods and that's what's causing the problem. I'll bet you never had people in these black neighborhoods coming up to you and saying, go away. You know, I'm, I'm guessing what you saw was people saying, please help us. The the 85% of the law-abiding people, yes. That's it. <laughs> okay. Got to make that distinction. Right, right. Yeah. Well, David Zimmer, I think this is a great piece of work. Uh, the title is Dispelling the Myth of Unwarranted Racial Disparities in Minnesota's Criminal Justice System. I hope we're going to be able to give it a huge amount of publicity. I think it's a really important corrective to a lot of misinformation, really faulty logic, faulty analysis that has been out there and has had some real consequences in the world that I think have been very, uh, very unfortunate. We should mention too, David, that um, your article is excerpted uh, in a shorter form in the current issue of Thinking Minnesota. So the 100,000 or so people who get Thinking Minnesota, be sure to look for it, read it. Um, it's a really important piece of work. Great. So thank you very much, David. And with that, we will end episode one of the American Experiment podcast.